0: Welcome to Avery Adventures Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Avery.
1: And I'm Tanya Avery.
0: Today on the show we have Diony Deoni, that that is a rough laugh name, my friend.
2: <laughs> Kindergarten was tough. <laughs>
0: I've I've been, I've been hounding you for a while. I'm excited to have you on the show. Um, it seems like anytime we get a good mule deer guy on, it uh, the ratings always go up. So I'm glad to have you
2: on. Oh, <laughs> well, glad to be on. Thanks.
0: So let's jump right into the questions I have because I have quite a few and I want to get to them all and I don't want to drag this out for, drag this uh, podcast out all night. So how, just a basic overview, how did you get started in mule deer hunting?
2: Uh, I, I started hunting with my dad when I was 12. Uh, a lot less involved. It was more uh, more just general hunting around areas where he'd hunted, never really branched out to different things. If uh, if the deer weren't there that year, just didn't didn't kill anything, but uh, as I got older, I started uh, progressing more, doing things more of my own. I got into bow hunting very unsuccessfully for a few years after high school. Uh, and and then just one year decided that I, I really wanted to commit myself to it. I had a, a ton of different hobbies, none of which I was very good at. And I decided <laughs> I really wanted to be good at something, and, and mule deer hunting was going to be the thing. So I, I can remember distinctly uh, in, in March, I, I bought David Long's book and and just completely devoted myself to it i gotten in, gotten in better shape and uh, just dedicated myself to everything that was mule deer and um, backpack hunting i bought a whole bunch of gear off of craigslist i i couldn't afford all new stuff <laughs> so basically everything i had was used but i knew what i needed to do and, and i had things that were good enough to, to go out and, and be able to do them so
0: has it been mule deer since day one or is it elk been involved or antelope or bear hunting or any of that
2: uh, I, I hunt everything, but the the passion's behind mule deer hunting for sure. Well, I think you're uh, you're one of
0: many. It's like once they get that mule deer bug, especially at a young age, it's like a cult following. And you guys are a special little
2: cleaner. yeah, definitely. Go ahead. It it doesn't go away, and it gets worse every year.
1: <laughs> so is that just because of where you live? There's a better mule deer population that you got so into mule deer hunting, or? Was that just what you started hunting? And I mean, I just because elk was our first thing up mm-hmm. here where we live. And it's just because there's really not a lot of opportunity for mule deer. So I was just curious about that as why you think mule deer started being your thing. And Oh,
2: well, for me, they were just iconic. I, I looked at a mule deer and it symbolized the West to me. It, it, that was what Western hunting was about. I mean, elk, elk were always cool, but it just never had that that passion to it i never they were never as glamorous to me anyways and uh yeah just something about a big mature mule deer was it it did it for me
0: Nice. you're not alone there so uh, getting into more of the questions what what do you when do you start scouting and the biggest question that we probably get and robbie gets that i've seen him answer is what are you looking for when you're when you do
2: start scouting that's that's hard i i feel like i'm scouting all the time i mean i work i work all over the state i travel a whole bunch and i'm always looking uh just trying to notice everything trying to notice if i am seeing deer just even off the road if there's a lot of deer in an area that's always a promising thing looking at habitat uh population density i mean i i feel like one of the biggest things to mule deer hunting is is being observant and just noticing things and i'm always looking at country at at, you know densities of things and uh, just trying to piece it all together one one little thing might stick out in an area and it might be something you don't look for typically but if that's the one key thing about that area that might be what a mule deer is looking for to have its own little pocket you know anywhere could have the potential so you're just always looking i scout all year long so you really
0: never stop you're you're scouting in december january i mean you're just always
2: looking yeah deer. absolutely absolutely yeah so- I, I, even even going to looking at different winter ranges over the course of the winter and and trying to just say okay well this this deer herd looks like it's got a good buck to doe ratio and most of the animals I'm seeing are are slightly older age class than you might see on a on a typical winter range. Uh, How do they look? Are they healthy? Are these animals just overall doing well? Um, You know because it takes so many things to make a really big mule deer buck. You know you have to have you have to have a, a certain percentage of the deer actually be bucks because only a small percentage of bucks will ever actually get big. And then from there, you've got to have good habitat and, uh, and good genetics. So it just takes so many different things. I'm always looking for all of it.
0: When you say that, when you go like into the summer months where I'm sure you get a little more intense on the scouting, is it, mm-hmm. is it more important for you to cover ground or is it more important for you to get somewhere in glass or is it kind of a combination of the two or looking for
2: tracks or what's your game plan for that? early early summer scouting I'm, I'm almost exclusively looking for habitat that time of year i'm not expecting to find deer up in their summer range uh, or even in, in the middle ground where i find a lot of deer which most people don't consider summer range but there will be a lot of deer sometimes even year-round um, so I'm, I'm looking for area more than anything early summer uh, then you know i don't really shift over to actually trying to find deer until probably mid-july
0: Mid July, you mean you're finding a certain deer, or just the deer?
2: Well, even just looking for groups of deer, not necessarily a certain deer, because some of them will still be shifting around a little bit. But uh, yeah, up up until that point, I I really I'm indifferent if I find a deer or not, because they're most likely not going to be there come hunting season at that time of year.
0: Hmm, That makes sense.
2: So how does it finding the big
0: buck? Do you? I mean, what do you think scouting is the key factor there? Because I know people luck into big bucks once in a while, but it doesn't seem to me like a lot of guys kill big bucks consistently unless they're out scouting. So does that I mean, does that make sense to you? I don't.
2: Yeah, I, I, uh, it's, it's hard to, it's hard to really quantify that because, uh, I, I thought about this and I've, I've killed three bucks that I've found preseason uh since 2011 so over the course of the last six years or seven seasons and it's it's really hard turning up one specific animal especially in in bigger country Uh, but i think the thing you really got to look for is is finding that age structure finding older groups of deer habitat that'll hold bigger deer as they move into you know whatever season it is you're hunting you know if it's september it's not as critical but if it's october or november you really you really can't target a deer as easily. Um, but I think scouting's huge because you, you've got to find those areas and be able to recognize the areas that the bucks will go into. Well, this is kind of an
0: add on question to that, but have you found the big bucks? Like you, you find a big buck one year and you kill that buck or you don't find that buck the next year, but another buck has moved in there. Do you find that happens often?
2: I think there's some truth to that for sure. Uh, I mean, Good habitat's going to hold a certain amount of deer, and I think that dominant deer don't like to necessarily hang out with other big mature deer um, in, in all circumstances. I mean, sometimes you will see see that, but I think in a lot of areas there's there's room for one big guy and a handful of little guys. And if you kill out the big guy, there's a good chance another one might move in
0: gotcha that that makes total mm-hmm. sense the buck you shot this year i kind of want you to talk about that a little bit you found him early and then mm-hmm. you lost him for a while because of the snow i believe you said and then you found him again yeah can take us through that process of your scouting finding him and then end up killing yeah. him.
2: yeah uh start to finish i feel like there was a lot of luck involved with that <laughs> i actually was scouting a completely different area and uh, found a whole bunch of elk but no deer, decided to, to shift gears and move over about four or five miles. Started getting rained on, stopped short, and, and basically stumbled into that bucket last light. Uh, I, I then went in and kept following him uh, for about, it would have been five weeks from that point I'd been following that deer until we got some serious weather early September or mid-September, and uh, there's about 18 inches of snow in there, and it got to the point where I almost couldn't even, couldn't even access the area. It was just too far to hike through that much snow, and uh, lost the deer after I was able to get back in there. He had disappeared, and all the other deer in the area were just gone. Um, then fast forward, it was the week before uh, hunting season, so it would have been the week before the 10th of October, and I made it back in there, and I found uh I, think I found five of the bucks that he'd summer with there was seven deer that i was used to seeing regularly on this one mountain and i found five of them and it gave me some hopes so i i made my way back in there three days before season i was pretty well committed at that point to hunting it for uh, the first 10 days of season and i uh, got in there like i said three days before season found that buck and then uh just stayed on him sun up to sun down taking notes every, every little thing he did i was documenting just trying to make sure if anything changed i could try and and figure out a reason why or a pattern or or make sense of anything that could happen then opening morning i pretty well had him uh i had him dead to rights i knew what he was going to do and and where he was going to be and just had to wait till the pieces fell together and capitalize on it
0: do you kill him opening day
2: yeah oh, yep fantastic. i uh i pretty much knew he was going to come out within a couple hundred yard window at at between 9 and 9:30 and 9:10 he showed up right where I was expecting them and, and, uh, put it to them. That's
0: awesome. We've talked about this a little bit on the phone, but another big question that always gets brought up is say you didn't find him. How long would you stay in an area that you know, holds dear? How, how long would you stay in an area that you think there's a big buck?
2: I was pretty well committed to that area for sure for those 10 days and, and likely for the rest of the season. Uh, I, I was confident that I would find him or another another good buck in that area.
0: So at that point, you're falling back on your scouting that you know this is an area where big deer are.
2: Yeah, yeah, and there's potential for other deer to move through this area too. So um, I was I was confident with with my location.
0: Gotcha. And on the mule, in the mule deer, guys, everybody wants to know your the hunting style. And the one thing that jumped out when I listened to your other podcast is you said you like to hunt timber bucks. And I find that funny because when I talk to Robbie, he's like, no, I don't I don't like hunting timber bucks. He's like, I like to be able to see them and then go after them. He goes, you get in the timber and then it's their game. So can you tell us a little bit about your process of how you like hunting or how you hunt timber bucks and why you like it? uh i i like it because
2: there's not a lot of other people doing it Uh, (laughs) and i think there's 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 mature deer in in the timber that that don't ever get bothered and i think a lot of deer push into those kind of areas because people don't want to hunt them it's it's not ideal it's not necessarily glamorous it's uh there's a lot of slow days too and uh it but the deer are there. I've I've had good luck finding big bucks in in timbered areas, and especially if you can find a, a timbered area that's got some broken country next to it, where you can capitalize on the openings and still find those deer a little easier, and get get opposing hillsides to glass from where you're not necessarily burying yourself in the trees. But um, it just it, it's a niche that I've I've found success in. So,
0: is that where you're scouting the summer and glassing? kind of into that broken timber and then when it comes hunting season you're just stalking really slow and glassing as you go or what's the technique once you're in the trees?
2: Well if if I've got to get into the trees, it's definitely going to be slower moving and, and just trying to pick things apart um for sure under those circumstances. I mean it's it's different from place to place. The the spot I was hunting this year I, I had a good vantage point where I could see most of it. And I told myself preseason I was never going to enter the timber until after the first few days of season. Um, but I also attribute part of that to why that buck was still there after the big weather had hit. He was already in kind of middle ground country as a lot of people probably consider it. Uh, he didn't really have a reason to push farther down and he was already in cover. So, you know, I I would expect even if hunter pressure showed up that he's in an area where he's really comfortable and secure. Uh, but like I said, I decided that I wasn't going to go into the timber and there were days that I'd go scouting and just not turn him up even if I'd seen him the day before, and I'd know he was just hiding out in those timber pockets. Um, But I wanted to give myself every opportunity to let him expose himself without, uh, without having to disturb the area.
0: Interesting. So does tracking any process in your hunting with, when you're hunting in the timber? I mean, is
2: Yeah, definitely trying to figure out where they're moving through, um, identifying big tracks, you know, so you can know what you're following. yeah it, it can play a role if you have to move in on them for sure
0: yeah that's another if in robbie's book and i've talked to robbie about tracking it's kind of a a lost art to hunting any species right? yeah but it's it's uh, yeah it's val it's important and if you i've guessed wrong i followed a buck like i'm i'm pretty novice mule hunter but i followed a buck this year that i'm sure was the i thought for sure was the Muley grande you know the big daddy and i got up on him and he was a
2: 140 class four point <laughs> not all deer uh grow big antlers
0: <laughs> that's a sure. fact i find all the ones that don't um being that you're hunting the timber and this when i i laughed when i saw you and mike from hell's canyon going back and forth on it your uh weapon of choice is a 30-06 can you yeah. tell us why
2: uh I, there's a lot of reasons why one it's awesome uh point blank <laughs> but <laughs> Um, I, I don't feel like I'm at any disadvantage shooting a thirty out 6 as compared to anything else. I, I limit myself to probably 600 yards and less. Uh, the gun's capable of a lot farther. I think I'm capable of a lot farther shooting-wise, but I just, I'm really comfortable that range and less in hunting situations, and in the type of country I choose to hunt, you know, I, I should always be able to get that, that closer closer, um, and, and I think, for me it's it's personally more of a gamble taking a longer shot than passing the buck and killing him the next day where I, I know I can find him again. Um, but like I said, I don't feel like I'm at a disadvantage at all. My my rifle with the twenty-six inch uh Hells Canyon uh carbon killer barrel that Mike put on there for me, it shoots I can shoot as fast as twenty nine fifty with a hundred and eighty grain bullet. So I'm I'm right there, three hundred short mag, knocking on three hundred wind mag velocities. Um you know, it is a little bit slower, but with rangefinders, it's only an extra minute or two of, of adjustment, and it's not that hard to turn the turn the dial on my scope. So, um, yeah, I, I definitely don't feel like I'm at a disadvantage. I've got five rounds in my magazine. You can't do that with a, a magnum cartridge. Uh, that and recoil, I can spot my own impacts a significant amount of the time. Uh, you know, you look at studies the government's even done as far as a, a comfortable threshold for people to shoot, and and fifteen foot pounds is the, the threshold that the government decided most people are able to comfortably and accurately shoot. And and a 30 out six is already over for that, so why would I want to shoot anything that kicks even harder?
0: Right, because you're not running a brake on that, right?
2: No. I uh I don't like brakes. So
0: the people are gonna ask, how are you getting twenty nine fifty? What powder are you using?
2: H forty three fifty, pretty stout load and good brass. <laughs>
0: Uh, what bullet this gets me the question because i know i've already seen the heat your little discussion on rock slide your you're shoot sh- you were shooting the burgers are you continuing you had some burger issues Are you continuing with the burgers next year or no
2: i am not uh yeah in 2015 i had four four burger failures in a row and i was able to document it and uh i, I like to think i wasn't just wasn't just you know burning a torch witch hunt going after burger i i really wanted to wanted to shoot those bullets and just had had poor performance and it might have been a fluke but uh it, it was enough that I don't want to give them another chance personally don't have anything against people who use them but for me it's not it's not a a, a risk I'm willing to take I, I actually shoot a Nosler acubond uh, and, and like I said for the ranges I shoot uh, I don't feel like I'm at disadvantage at all with that bullet uh, my impact velocities out at that range are above their minimum velocity threshold and I've had absolutely great terminal performance on games, so uh, for me it was just a no-brainer to switch back to that bullet. They're just devastating on animals.
0: No, I think I don't think it was a witch hunt. I think you documented it to the fullest, and uh, I think there obviously was a problem with those burgers you were shooting, no doubt about it, because they weren't—they mm-hmm. <laughs> didn't look like they should. The ones you were—what sh- you were showing.
1: Yeah. But
0: um, what? You know, lots of, I'm from, I own Rockside, so we get lots of questions about people coming out west. What what would you say to somebody coming out west to hunt mule deer for the first time? What advice would you give them?
2: Oh, man. Um, it'd be kind of tough since I've I've hunted them my whole life, and the first time was a long time ago. But I, I would say I have realistic expectations. Um, it, even me going into a new area, if I'd never scouted it before, never hunted it before, it's going to be a real challenge to turn up a good buck uh, so don't don't expect things to happen on the first year i would say um, and then definitely prepare as much as you absolutely can um, be it researching just animal habits or, or getting your gear right uh, you don't necessarily have to have the coolest fanciest gear but know what you have and know how to use it uh, be familiar with everything you've got, and know Know how to fix stuff if, if you were to have issues, especially if you're hunting backcountry. Just be familiar with everything you've got.
0: Right. Would you tell would you tell people that they need to come out and try to hunt the same spots? Because we kind of talked about that before where if they get to know the area, I mean, that's my elk hunting side says if you get to know an area, you're going to find more animals.
2: Yeah, that's a huge advantage to know an area. Absolutely. I'd rather hunt a lesser area. Um, closer to home where I could spend more time scouting it, uh, than possibly better country that, that I don't have, uh, have the resources to, to learn.
1: So how often do you put in for tags in other states or, um, ever?
2: I've hunted out of state once. Um, <laughs> I, I, I started putting in basically last year. So, uh, it's never been, uh. Yeah, I guess I'm somewhat spoiled. I've got, I've got fairly good hunting close to home, and I've, I've always felt like it was just such an advantage. I'd rather make one really, really good hunt at home than have four or five marginal ones somewhere else.
0: Sure. Yeah, totally understand that. On the, that same note on hunters coming out west, what just general hunters, what keeps them, what mistakes make them or keeps them from killing big deer? I mean, you kill big oh, deer there's... year in and year out. What are they doing that doesn't make them like Dioney?
2: <laughs> um there's there's a lot of things I think that that contribute to people being unsuccessful where they otherwise could have been. Uh I think patience is huge. Not rushing situations. Like I said I'd rather not take a longer shot because I I know mule deer well enough to know that I could find him again the next day. I think a lot of people don't have that kind of patience. And they might might rush an opportunity on a big buck where they could have a great chance the next day uh or trying to to push a situation as opposed to waiting until they really know what's happening uh, and, and make an educated decision on what to do. Um, so I think, I think patience is huge and, and trying to get a good understanding of, of the whole picture.
0: That makes sense. What uh, was It's that? not
1: just because they use too much bug spray.
0: No. Tanya likes to use bug spray when we go hunting. I don't whole another topic, but drives me insane. <laughs> you don't use bug spray while you're deer hunting, do you, Dione? Uh, I
2: I do sometimes while I'm scouting, see,
0: see,
2: but when not gets, while I'm hunting. When it but gets I don't, serious, I don't believe in scent block either. No,
0: me neither. But <laughs> I, I think, I think that's
2: yeah, you got to have the wind right if you're going to try and get in close, regardless. Yeah, you're.
0: You told me on the phone you are not a gear guy.
2: No, <laughs> no, I'm I'm a horrible salesman for stuff.
0: But I mean, I'm sure there's gear that you've used that stands out, and I'm sure there's gear that sucks. Can you tell us about either
2: or? Yeah, I. Uh, what using? I, I what's that? What
1: are you What do you currently use for gear? Like, what What do you use for hunting? I mean, obviously, you don't have to have all the bells and whistles, but. Like,
2: I I've actually got quite a bit of. I guess the the more extravagant things I've got a I've got a really nice pack. I've I've got one of the Exo Mountain Gear packs. Uh, I really like that pack, and then uh, I had uh, Mike at hell's canyon armory uh clean up my gun make it make it shoot good and uh outside of that i use fairly basic stuff um i've i've got an rei sleeping bag um i've got a cabela's inflatable air pad uh i, I don't really have i guess a lot of the more trendy designer gear per se i, I bought all my kuyu clothes used so <laughs> um Definitely not not what I'd call a, a gear junkie i think uh, i've got I've got vortex optics because it''s it good stuff for the price, I suppose, and then uh, you got a pretty nice like a range finder, but uh, i I put a lot more uh, effort into uh, knowledge skills and and things that are out, outside of gear I, I think a lot of times gear's kind of a, a crutch for people and it'll actually hold them back.
1: What kind of rangefinder did you say you had?
2: I've got a Leica 1600. Okay.
0: Gotcha. So what? What are you using? The, any catastrophic catastrophic fails on gear? Any gear you just left you leave and shaking your head, say I'm not going to use that piece of shit ever again.
2: Um,
1: I, I did have a,
2: a water right. filter blowout on me um, last year, and then I, I guess I did kind of snap my spotting scope in half last weekend. But, <laughs> I, saw, um, I saw that picture. Um, <laughs> We'll uh we'll find out how good Vortex's warranty really is. Oh, I I have the base of a spotting scope.
0: So. <laughs> how did that happen?
2: Well, I was riding a four wheeler and uh, just had it mounted up to the tripod, bouncing down the road, and get to my truck and look back, and all I've got's a base. <laughs>
0: <laughs> how far back was it?
2: Uh, I I didn't find it. Oh, you didn't, you didn't find, find it? it at all. I have got the base, so we'll see we'll see what they do for a warranty. <laughs> oh <my laughs> god. You're gonna mail back in the base. It's that got a serial is, number on it. I mean
0: That is awesome, dude. I want you gotta t- you gotta post that Instagram up when they give what they say back to you. Yeah. <laughs> They're gonna say definitely. what
1: the <laughs> What
0: the <laughs> F that is the best story I've heard all day. Uh, so you never found it rolled off the hill or something in the snow or what? Happened? I'm,
2: I'm guessing so. I might have to go back and look for it again, <laughs> but. <laughs>
1: well, and the thing that a lot of these companies do oh, is make damn. everything in like black or dark green in the snow would be fine, but. It's like you're never going to find that stuff in the summertime or the yeah. fall or even the spring because it's all the same color as the grass and the...
0: Oh, man. That's, it's like, what well, yeah. is that
1: bright orange or
0: something? <laughs> uh, all right. I'm not going to laugh anymore about that, do you, But that is damn funny. He will laugh more. <laughs> Would you, back to mule deer. Would you rather hunt mule deer early or during the
2: rut? I honestly prefer hunting them early. Uh, just using all of my... All my advantage I've given myself during scouting season, um, you know, I, I understand them and know them better at that time of year. I suppose there's, you know, people who have obviously got a great understanding of the later hunts, um, but I feel like a lot of that's left to luck, too, and I, I like to rule that part out as much as I can.
0: Gotcha. No, that, that makes total sense. And your your definition early is what? I mean, is it September, October? I know it's your Idaho, you your hunting in October, but...
2: What's that definition early before? Yeah, I think uh, I would define early up until probably October 24th or 25th. That's when things really start to shift gears and deer really seem to start thinking about the rut and moving around. I would totally agree. I shot
0: a a buck this year on the 23rd and my buddy went in there on the 13th of October and all the bucks were still up at 10,000, 11,000 feet. We went in there mm-hmm. and basically a week later on the 23rd of October and they were down about 2000 feet down more where the does are. They weren't rotten by any means, but they were definitely down. Yeah. Alrighty. What impact do you think last winter had on the deer populations that you hunted this year? Was it, did you see less bucks? Did you see the same amount of bucks? I,
2: I think there was a uh, quite a bit of, contributing factors to the success we've seen this year uh, across the board Um, a lot of people that I know that are great big buck hunters uh, had a hard time turning anything up I think a significant part of that would have been the die off but with the the crazy winter we had and how much snowpack we got and how long it lasted I think a lot of the buck stopped short of the high country Uh, there was so much green feed everywhere across the state uh, and I would assume in other states also that The deer as they were going along in their migration, they'd hit snow in lower elevations. They'd kind of hold up, but they had enough feed to where they never really had to push out. So they got acclimated to different areas this year specifically that they might not have normally been in. So uh, I think that contributed quite a bit, but there's also, you know, you look at the year we came off of in in 2016, just using unit 39 since it's close to home and, and got great numbers as far as statistics. That deer herd is usually between 30,000 and 40,000 animals. Uh, And and last year, you know, we look at, I think there was 3,500 bucks killed out of that unit. And if you've got a a one in seven buck to doe ratio, we basically killed all the bucks out of unit 39 last year. We had, or in 16, we had such a stellar year people people going in there and killing big bucks and, and just killing deer in general that a significant percentage of those deer got killed the year before, even before the winter. So it's it's hard to recover from something like that when when you've just got this perfect storm of of weather bringing deer in for for a, uh, the biggest group of hunters in the state next to a, a huge population center and then a significant portion of the remainder of the deer getting killed through winter and then you're going to have poor fawn recruitment because the does have had such a hard time making it through winter that they're not going to they're not going to have the the fawn crop that they normally might and then even the fawns that are born are, are so small and weak that they're pr- probably not going to make it through the next winter. I mean, you, you look at a lot of the deer herd and there's a lot of tiny, tiny deer.
0: That's a, you're the second person to tell me that, that about the deer, not making it all the way back to the high country. So there's a lot of sense in that. Yeah, that's, uh, yeah, I guess, it, may, it makes sense to me. I'm no deer hunter, but it does definitely make sense that they're going to stop the first place they can probably get to that has good food. And if the food's there all year, why move?
2: Yeah.
0: Um, do you think that uh, wolves, in your in your mind, have the wolves changed the way meal, big mule deer act, you know, in the last
2: 10 years? Honestly, in a lot of areas, I think they help. Um, wolves definitely have an impact on the elk population and and in a lot of areas I've seen, as elk numbers increase, the deer numbers will go down. So, if you've got something that's moving the elk around and keeping them out of, uh, out of some of the high country, which acts like overflow for elk, when you've got too many of them in an area, I think, I think the wolves could actually help the deer herd. I, I don't see a whole lot of predation uh, on deer in the areas that I've hunted, specifically. Um, but I have definitely noticed deer being displaced by large numbers of elk.
0: That's interesting. Do you think cats have more predation on them than the actual wolf?
2: Absolutely. Cats are huge. I I think, in my opinion, once a buck hits five years old, the odds of a hunter ever killing him are are so minuscule, but he's either going to die of a mountain lion or of old age. Big bucks specifically are targeted by cats, I think, just because uh, they're more isolated and they're they're more likely to be in an area where a cat would, would hang out.
1: Makes a lot of sense
0: that does. Well, we talked about you you kind of threw me there cuz two things, you're the first person that ever said that wolves help, so that kind of that's interesting which I don't disagree with because it makes sense just like when the deer stop halfway through their migration. Um, the we talked about this a little bit yesterday on the phone, but would you would you say mental toughness is more important for hunting big deer or physical toughness?
2: Physical toughness is not, uh, excuse me, mental toughness is significantly more important. Um, I, I think physical toughness is a byproduct of mental toughness. Um, if, if you're not mentally able to, to wake up early every morning and, and put those frozen socks on and, and put yourself in those uncomfortable situations to where you're going to have the opportunity for success, uh, it, it doesn't matter how fast you can run or how much weight you can bench press with. just uh, mental toughness is what puts you in the situations where you're going to find success.
0: Great. I'll caveat on that about your, tell people about your, uh, your diet during deer season.
2: (laughs) Or lack thereof. Yeah.
0: It's interesting how you you explained that to me yesterday.
2: So I, I'm, I'm somewhat obsessive when I start glassing and I, I, I refuse to at any point pull myself away from looking for deer. So uh, most of the time, I'll, I'll force myself to eat a eat a few packets of oatmeal in the morning, and then uh, I'll, I'll make it out to my glassing spot. And most of the time, I won't even think about food until I notice my hands start to shake in the afternoon around two or three o'clock, and I'm I'm totally starving. But uh, I do when, when I when I am making myself try to eat. I I eat a lot of uh, really high fat foods like pepperoni sticks and cheese and and things of that nature. I used to even pack olive oil because it's it's a really high high calorie density food, and it's got a lot of good fat in it. But I feel like when I'm eating those higher fat foods, uh, I I run more like a diesel, I suppose. I, I actually call pepperoni six diesel sticks when I'm hunting. But I've noticed when I eat eat a, a carb rich diet or or a standard diet, um, I, I've got a lot of like peak energy. I've, I can I can have more explosive energy, and, and I'm stronger per se. But um, it, it doesn't last, but when I'm eating those higher fat diets, it's just, uh, it's flatline. I run strong all day long.
1: You need to get yourself a feed sack just to strap around your face while you're glassing. Just, to, you know, <laughs> so you don't have
2: to stop I don't glassing. even think about it. it. I don't think about it and I don't feel hungry at all either. It's weird. It's
1: crazy. Huh?
0: No, you're the second. Well, Kenton, I was telling you from first light, was talking about the, the diesel mode, using fat, using fats instead of carbs.
1: I wouldn't go hunting with him if that yeah. was his plan because he'd end up like gnawing part of my arm off.
0: <laughs> do you hunt a lot solo or do you hunt groups or what's your philosophy on that?
2: I hunt almost exclusively alone, it seems like. Uh, I've tried hunting in groups and it uh, – it it can be a lot of fun hunting in groups, but I, I'm a lot less successful. Um, my ability to focus isn't nearly as, as good. And, and I, uh, I guess I just don't notice things, um, hunting in groups. I'll, I'll have a plan laid out for the day and I won't, I won't diverge from it at all. So I, I've found a lot of my best success when I get a gut feeling and I make a decision to do something that wasn't what I'd planned on making more unorthodox decisions and just kind of, uh, Playing things by ear. If I notice something that that looks off, and I decide to go a different way, I'll just do it when I'm by myself, as opposed to when I'm hunting with someone else. I might not make those decisions, and and a lot of times those are what have led me to some of my bigger bucks.
0: And you don't have to share your diesel sticks.
2: Yeah, yeah. Everybody <laughs> steals them when you get up there. Nobody brings their own.
0: All right. Well, how can people find you, Diony? I know you're. No, I know you don't really want to be
2: found. Uh, no, I. I don't actually, uh, I, I guess I am, I am on Instagram. I'm, uh, on there as wild Idaho, uh, Facebook. I've kind of kept to just friends and family and people. I actually know, but, uh, I'm, I'm somewhat active on, on Instagram. And then I am on, uh, I'm on rock slide also as, uh, it's the beginning of my email address, but it's Dione period a period three, one, two. If you want to try and find me on rock slide.
0: Sweet. I got one more question. How tell us about that big wide buck you shot yet on Instagram. What was the story? On that
2: there? one? Yeah. Uh, that, that story is actually kind of, uh, that, that was one of the bucks I stumbled into by making an odd last minute decision. But uh, I'd scouted the area quite a bit and I'd found a handful of nice bucks, uh, that one not being one of them. And uh, come opening morning, there was just a whole slew of other hunters in the area and just everything got shook up. Uh, I hunted it the opening weekend and ended up uh, having my dad come in there and I helped him kill a pretty nice buck. Um, and then I made my way back in middle of the next week and decided I was going to hunt it quite a bit differently than what I'd planned on just because there was so much pressure. Uh, I decided I was going to focus more on the lower country and, and and definitely into more of the timbered areas, which is kind of what led me on to the timbered area thing. Um, and I found that buck towards the end of the day at the absolute bottom of a drainage. Um, rolled a little bit of film on him, and in and, and all of a couple seconds decided I had to go kill that deer, <laughs> and that was actually one of the bucks that I had a burger failure with. I ended up shooting that buck uh, at 570 head-on, and by the grace of God, I, I hit him in the heart, took off the top of his heart, but that bullet didn't open, and I uh, I dug it out of his hind quarter for my head-on shot. So,
0: Wow, with the burger, we said 168 or 180? What was it?
2: Yeah, 168 classic hunter uh, out of the 30-06.
0: Did Berger ever give you any reason solution they can tell you what happened
2: Never gave me an explanation on that no i uh I followed up with them had a quite a few back and forths with email uh They never gave me their their reason as to why, but they did say that it it's something that they've uh documented and and it's it wasn't a singular event for sure, but they said it was a a very minimal amount of bullets that it happens to, but didn't give me any more explanation than that.
0: fantastic Minimal.
2: and you haven't had any
0: issues i've shot the 200 grain accubons with great success but they've treated you right the accubons.
2: they're a hammer (laughs) they're absolutely devastating you you don't get uh you don't get that that feed them a hand grenade blow up when you shoot something with a burger but um you've got consistent reliable results with an acubon if you hit if you hit an animal right it's gonna feel it
0: I think it was my buddy asked when I was talking about you, I was doing a podcast, he asked if you use trail cams and you've had any success killing a deer you've had on a trail cam if you
2: did. I haven't. uh, I've got a lot of really cool pictures of deer, but uh, I haven't killed any that uh, that I've had on camera. Have you had any just tanks on there that you wish you'd found? Yeah, in 2016, it actually led me to killing uh, the wrong buck. I got really excited. I had this giant three-point that I'd, I'd found him scouting before I ever set up trail cameras, so I knew he was there. I set up the cameras to get more more pictures of him, but, uh, yeah, I had a giant three-point that was probably uh, ballpark 28, 29 wide. I'm guessing he would have gone close to 170 as a three-point, and I found that buck, uh, or what I thought was that buck, skylined right at first light and uh with some coaxing from a friend because i wasn't sure if it was him at first but uh i i decided that I, I thought it was him and shot this other buck right at first light and then it ended up being a significantly smaller three-point <laughs> that looked really good on a skyline there. that's the, the closest i've come to yeah huh.
0: so i saw your picture laying on your back packing out elk saying how damn heavy they are and actually why you're doing are you going to
2: continue to hunt elk yeah i'll still hunt elk but it's uh it's always going to be a secondary if there's if there's a deer to be chased it's <laughs> that's what i'm going to do first
0: you know i would have said you're crazy but four years it started hunting deer four years ago but the more i hunt those deer the more i'm starting to shift towards those deer they got a curse on them
2: it's addictive it's uh I don't know something something about it once you get in it and you find a little bit of success you just want more and uh, I, I, it totally consumes me. I think about it every single day. So
0: Well, that's fantastic. That was short and sweet. And I think we answered like 20 questions. So I'm uh, glad to keep, like, glad you decided to come on, man.
2: Yeah, thanks for having me.
0: All right, man. I'll talk to you soon.
1: Thank you.
2: Yep. Talk to you later. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.